Namo Amida Buts. Namo Amida Buts. Namo Amida Namo Amida Buts. Namo Amida Buts. Namo Amida Buts. Namo Amida Buts. Thank you, Sensei. Now, everybody would like to read along with me uh, for the Golden Chain One. You'll find that on page 15 in your purple. Golden Chain One. I am a link in Amida's golden chain of love that stretches around the world. I will keep my link bright and strong. I will be kind and gentle to every living thing and protect all who are weaker than myself. I will think pure and beautiful thoughts, say pure and beautiful words, and do pure and beautiful deeds. May every link in Amita's golden chain of love be bright and strong, and may we all attain perfect peace. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. I don't know which camera to look at here, but uh, uh, we're having some technical issues, so uh, um, I, I thought I'd try some different angles here for the camera uh, today. So um, I hope you're all doing well during this uh, time uh, of year as it's getting a little bit colder, or actually yesterday wasn't that cold, but uh, it's uh, uh, overall getting a little bit colder. Uh, and uh, I hope your Thanksgiving plans are ready and, and please have a uh, fun and safe uh, week. Okay. So I was, I was wondering, um, we haven't done this in a while because we have um, lovely slides that uh, Kyle Yamasaki creates for our virtual services, but um, do you know what we do with the service books? The service books. I'd like to give you an example. Okay, this here is a service book. Okay, can't really tell, but uh, it is a. Uh, it's got the Pure Land Sutras here. Okay, okay. So in our tradition, what we do is what we. Uh, it's called uh, itadaku, or it's called. Chodai uh, suru. Okay, so what we do basically before I start the service or before I start chanting, I go like this and I bring it up like that, right? And I bring it down, okay? And then I open it up. And then once I close the book, I'm done chanting, then I close the book, right? And then I bring it up to my forehead, up to like my um, kind of like my eyebrow area. And then I kind of slightly bow a little bit. So it's not like you bring it up here, but it's slightly bowing, okay? So like that, okay? And you're probably wondering what I'm doing. You know, am I, you know, is he trying to eat? Is this trying to eat this book or trying to, you know, like put all the information in my head or something like that? Uh, so there's a lot of different ideas that happen. But basically what it is, is that these uh, sutras, the reason why we itadaku or chodai suru is because they contain the sacred words and teachings of the Buddha, okay? So that's why we chodaisuru uh, or itadaku this book, okay? In Buddhism, but more broadly speaking, uh, kind of in Eastern cultures, there's uh, a particular emphasis on things, okay? Things and treating uh, them with respect. So here in the modern world, uh, we often think to ourselves that uh, because we bought something, that it's now in our possession, right? that it's now ours and we can do what we want with it and you know throw it on the floor if we want we can put our feet on it or whatever right or use it as a uh you know when your table is wobbly you can use it to put it underneath the you know the, the foot right then we think that we could do what we want with these things because it's ours it's ours to control right um so this is uh, i think uh, also a very kind of misguided way of thinking uh that is so prevalent in today's society and that kind of uh, thinking is very kind of selfish, right, and egocentric, and doesn't go along with the principle of Buddhism. 
And we are, uh, we should consider ourselves part of the world, okay? That the world is not part of us, okay? That we are part of the world, okay? And that includes then respecting or trying to respect, trying to show our respect towards the things that we use, okay? Actually, we are not simply using these things, right? We're actually being allowed to use these things, right? So in uh, Japanese, th there's a word for this, okay? It's called ukemi, ukemi, okay? So if you know what that means, it means the passive tense, okay? The passive tense. Nani ka wo tsukawasete itadaku, right? So I am enabled to use something. I am being allowed to use something, right? Manabasete itadaku, right? I am allowed to learn. I am allowed to learn, right? Benkyo sasete itadaku means to, I am allowed to study. One other thing, shigoto sasete itadaku. Shigoto sasete itadaku. I am allowed to do my job or my occupation. Oftentimes we think to ourselves, I am the one who goes to work. I do the work. I don't want to do all the work. Actually, and I, I know, I, I myself am guilty of this, but shigoto um, sasete itadaku kind of changes the way we think about it, right? I am allowed to have this job that allows me, that allows me to feed my family, to have a place to stay, right? And to uh, carry out my livelihood, okay? So this ukemi, the passive phrase, is a very important um, way of kind of thinking of this world, or one other very important way of thinking this, about this world, okay? So um, the end of the year is coming up, and what happens at the end of the year, right? Well, as Buddhists, let's call them Osable gifts, okay? Okay, let's try to maybe uh, stay away from using or avoid using the word Christmas, uh, which in no way, right, it's in no way intended as a sign of disrespect to our Christian brothers and sisters, but we do have our own religious tradition uh, that we should be proud of, okay? So let's, let's not use the word Christmas and instead use the word Osebo, which simply just means end of the year gift, okay? So at the end of the year, when we receive all kinds of stuff, Sometimes we get so much stuff that it creates a lot of kind of clutter in our house, right? But there is a major holiday known as, do you, does anybody know? And December 8th, we observe this observance. December 8th. Yes, thank you. I saw some nods moving. It's Bodhi Day, okay? Bodhi Day. It is the day that the Buddha is said to have attained awakening, okay? So the Buddha sat underneath a Bodhi tree and said, I will not move from here until I have uh, uh, attained awakening. So he sat in meditation, and at the dawn of the morning, when the sun was just about to rise, Shakyamuni Buddha found the path uh, to enlightenment and touched his hand on the ground, okay? So one of the key principles then of Buddhism is understanding the principle of impermanence, okay? What does impermanence mean? I know it's kind of a hard word, but what does impermanence mean? It means that all things change, okay? It means that things change. It changes when we meet new people or when we have to say goodbye to people, when we meet new experiences and challenges, or then we have to say goodbye to certain experiences and certain challenges, right? This is the way life works. Sometimes change is a good thing and it's much welcomed, right? But sometimes we don't want change. Sometimes we don't uh, want these changes to come in our lives, but there is nothing we can do about that. And Buddhism teaches us this very key important teaching. Change is the truth of this world, okay? 
So when it comes to things, change happens then in the form of our you know, relationships with them. And what Buddhism teaches us is that as difficult as it might be, we have to see that change is something that we must eventually come to accept and then let go. Okay? And this is far, far easier said than done. Okay? So I would like to um, kind of uh, ask the Dharma School to uh, do a little small little project that I kind of thought of. Um, and this project is to carry out a specific task uh, in re regards to this issue of impermanence. I would like us to go through the process of experiencing change and recollecting uh, our feelings towards this change. So this small little project is to pick three things, okay? Three things, three things that, uh, such as toys, okay? That we will give away to charity, right? And you could bring them to the temple or leave them either at the office or my front porch and I will collect them and take them to Goodwill or uh, the Salvation Army. Army. And these three items do not have to be, be the things that you still are using a lot right now, but I would like to, you to choose three things, okay? Three things or toys. And when you pick these items, I want you to think about how these items help to raise you, okay? What did you learn from this item? For example, if it's a uh, baseball, baseball mitt that you've outgrown, right, uh, and it's now too small, this glove taught me how to catch a ball. This glove taught me about how to play baseball and how to be on a team. I learned about teamwork. So you can say then that this glove taught me about teamwork, right? Something that I will take with me for the rest of my life, this glove, okay? Thank you, glove, right? And I would like you to kind of really sit down and think about this because this process is what Buddhism is teaching us. And in order to show you the importance of treating things with respect and how uh, kind of uh, serious this can kind of get, uh, I'd like to show you something that helped kind of inspire me to think of uh, uh, this, this kind of small little project. So I'd like to show you a little video now that hopefully uh, you might like. Oh, wait, I should probably tell you what this is. This is uh, from the movie Toy Story, and it's, a, it's, a, uh, the, it's about how these toys have emotions and they come to life when the people are not around, okay? And so uh, in this scene, you'll see how uh, one of these toys uh, was abandoned by um, um, her, her owner, okay? When somebody loved me, everything was beautiful. Every hour we spent together lives within my heart. And when she was sad, I was there to dry her tears. And when she was happy, so was I. When she
Thank you very much. That is kind of a tearjerker there. So uh, I think it's so moving that um, you know that we don't ever get to see Emily's face, right? Which makes this feeling of being abandoned even more powerful. But uh, like Jesse, this cowgirl toy, we can really feel this sense of loss after being abandoned by Emily, right? So. Do we want to be like Emily and not uh, care about the things that we have and our relationships with the various things that help to care for us, that help to raise us, right? Or do we want to follow the Buddha's teachings and see the importance of showing our gratitude for the things that help to raise and nurture us, right? So on Bodhi Day, I will ask a few of you Dharma School students if you can possibly share your uh, share what you decided to give away. And I would like you to talk about this at the service. It can be really short, but uh, I really would like to hear from you guys. Uh, and we will have a service, and the service will be in part, right, to pay tribute in recognizing these things that helped to raise and nurture us, right? I will take part in this too. Right. Adults, you are welcome to do this too, right? Um, I don't want a whole garage sale worth of things in my front yard, but uh, if you would like to participate, uh, that I encourage you to do so. Or if you'd like to you know, help your children, that would be greatly appreciated, right? So um, I would like to end uh, today, uh, and, and, and I look forward to your responses. And I'd like to present, um, you know, do this on Bodhi Day, okay? Bodhi Day is December 5th, okay? So um, on December 5th, uh, maybe if we could have uh, something ready to share, that would be fantastic, okay? So thank you very much for your time today. Please join me in Gashou. Namo
Great. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much. Well, I'd like to continue on with the adult, uh, adult message now. Please join me in Gasho. To entrust oneself to the Nimbutsu is to already have become a person who realizes wisdom and will attain Buddhahood. Know that this is to become free of foolishness. Namo Amida Namo Amida Namo Amida well, good morning again. I would like to uh, continue uh, with the message for the adult Sangha members. Um, the other day, my wife uh, and I were we were talking about our son as we were going uh, shopping in uh, Pleasanton. And uh, at that time, uh, my wife was telling me about the different things that our son uh, tells her that happens at school at nighttime. So right, right at bedtime, he kind of, I don't know, for some reason, opens up to her and tells her all these different kind of stories and, and dynamics that are happening in the, in the classroom with the other kids and who he likes to play with and who he doesn't like to play with and all these other things. So uh, then she also mentions uh, certain details that her son kind of gets wrong or uh, knows that he kind of uh, made up a story that really isn't true. You know how kids tend to do that. Uh, so then we both realized that the information you know, that we were getting from uh, the eyes of this little boy uh, and what he thinks is happening might not be the best of information uh, and that um, we're getting a, uh, about the day-to-day -day goings on at a school might not exactly be accurate from coming from him. So um, some of these details might be exaggerated or maybe they're just flat out wrong, right? Uh, so we have to kind of take what he says with a uh, grain of salt. So then I got to thinking, you know, what are the other kids, I'm wondering, you know, telling their parents as well, right? Is their information correct and exaggerated as well? Probably, you know, I think so. Um, and, and when these kids interact with each other, they are still in the stage where they are trying to learn how to kind of work with each other and how to express their emotions with each other so and how to deal with other people who have their own kind of ideas right so they probably don't have the the tools to communicate communicate well with each other and there are probably many instances in which kids uh, get into arguments and fights uh, because they don't know how to express their thoughts and emotions well with each other or they don't properly listen well to each other right and these kinds of things happen a lot and so there's just so much kind of crossfire um, between these kids miscommunicating with each other uh, and not being accurate uh, with uh, with their information and the teacher then um, or the adult in that setting is in a very kind of kind of interesting position i believe or in interesting vantage point my teacher or case uh, teacher is a woman and she is in a in, in the crosshairs of all this information and human dynamics right that are going on right so she has a has a really tough job and teachers have a really tough job <laughs> uh, because you know she sees all this going on and on top of that right she has to carry out this academic curriculum for the class right on day to day right so sometimes you know i wish i could be in her position to just to see all this kind of miscommunication and interaction going on in the classroom full of 20 some odd kids right um, and she gets to see the children develop in terms of learning how to treat each other and communicating effectively with each other i think it must be both really exciting but at the same time kind of really stressful for a teacher <laughs> so the the point i'm trying to drive at um, at this type of miscommunication where we don't properly listen to each other uh, nor do we convey our emotions and thoughts clearly is that 
Um, it just it isn't just with kids, right? We adults have this difficulty too. And Buddhism teaches us that the root of this problem of miscommunication is attachments, is blind passions. Okay, we see the world the way that we want to see it, right? right? And and which is it's never the way that things are actually in and of of themselves. We are quick to disregard other people's realities and only take our own into account. And we often don't consider other people's feelings and only consider our own. Um, so just for, to give you an example, rain, for example. Rain is a natural phenomenon. It doesn't care how we feel about rain, right? But rain will come down, right? And, and, uh, and, and we attach our kind of judgments on rain. I don't want to rain because I don't want to get wet. I don't want it to rain because I got to go down to LA or something like that, right? We have different kind of um, uh, judgment calls that we make based on the rain. But the rain, you know, has no, uh, 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 it does not care how we feel, right? So again, here, these are our attachments that we place. The way the, that we see the world is based on our attachments and our blind passions. So, uh, but when we as humans perceive it, there is always this kind of positive and negative judgment that gets in place, right? Something is good, something is bad, something is right, something is wrong, based on our kind of uh, judgments on them. And these things are based on whether they're beneficial to us or not. If it's beneficial, it's good. If it's not beneficial to us, it's bad, right? Uh, and so that's kind of how we judge this world. But in reality, Buddhism teaches that nothing in this world is absolutely good and nothing in this world is absolutely bad. Nothing is black and white, okay? Those are lines that we create in the world. So uh, I just mentioned an inanimate thing like rain, but what if it was like another person, right? And just like between kids, between adults, we have miscommunication that takes place. There is miscommunication between spouses, right? <laughs> like my wife and I fight all the time and we don't care uh, you know what the other person is feeling or worse yet sometimes we do things in spite of each other right uh, and so that's that's a, a form of miscommunication that happens all the time right there is miscommunication between parents and children between siblings not just at a young age but you know at an adult age right let's say with like you know they're fighting over their parents will or something like that right um, I've lost friends over misunderstandings of actions that they did to me or that I did to them, right? Um, there is miscommunication between strangers or political parties, between countries, right, in fact, right? We just had a little uh, uh, thing with uh, France, right, for, um, I don't know, something about buying submarines or something like that. I forget the story, but um, so, yeah, they got bent out of shape because of what we did, right? And so uh, um, this kind of thing happens all the time and this is why fighting is so easy to do and maintaining peace is so hard to do right proper communication takes dedication it takes consistency it takes frequency it takes patience all these things are things i do not have right? all these things are very difficult things to maintain uh and it's it's very it's so much easier to just say i am right and the other person is wrong right and we will make up reasonings as to why I am justified, why I am right, why the other person is wrong, right? However, the things that we see and understand in this world is but one small sliver of the reality of what's actually going on. In anything that we do, there is no way that we cannot be biased, right? Everything from the cup of tea or the cup of coffee, the brand uh, that we choose to 
the kind of toothbrush or the toothpaste that we use to um, our political views, all of these things are uh, based on this ego self. self. And we as, as humans are incapable of being ob objective, truly objective, right? So you might think, you know, what about like science or like math, right? These things are objective, right? They might be objective, right? But how we treat those numbers, how we treat scientific facts is not uh, uh, objective, right? So getting back to my son's class, the teacher is the one who is the wise one, right? Uh, and sees what the children are doing. The teacher uh, is also compassionate by seeing each child and trying to adjust to the child's needs. The teacher sees all this miscommunication and misunderstanding going on in the, in the, in the world of this classroom, right? And understands the causes of the suffering that goes on and the unnecessary chaos that happens between children. The teacher, however, wants everyone to feel secure, to feel comfortable, to think of school as a fun place to be, right? It is the teacher that tries to get the kids to awaken to her aspiration for them to succeed and have peace in their hearts and minds. Her aspiration, hopes, and dreams is relayed to them through their education and her efforts to get them to understand about life's challenges. And hopefully the children can come to understand this, where eventually the teacher's aspirations become their aspirations. And this is when the two minds, the mind of the teacher and the mind of the student, become one, right? Do you know what I just explained to you? The teacher, yes. But who is our teacher for adults, where our classroom is the world, the universe, the cosmos? Our great teacher is none other than Amida Buddha. Right? Everything I mentioned to you about the teacher is exactly what Amida Buddha does for us. The great teacher is the wise one who sees the, what the children are doing. Amida Buddha is compassionate by seeing each child and trying to adjust to each child's needs. The great teacher sees all the miscommunication and misunderstanding that is going on in the world and all the unnecessary suffering that is taking place. Amida Buddha wants all beings to feel secure, to feel protected, to feel welcome, right? so that they can all get along together. Amida Buddha tries to get everyone to awaken to his aspiration for them to succeed and have peace in their hearts and minds. Amida's aspiration, hopes, and dreams is relayed to them through their education of the Buddha Dharma and the Buddha's efforts to get them to understand about life's challenges, such as impermanence. Amida Buddha is the great teacher. We are the children, the students. And hopefully, the sentient beings can come to understand this, where eventually the great teacher's aspirations become our aspirations. And this is when the, the two minds, the mind of the teacher and the mind of the student, become one. And in Jodo Shinshu, we call this Shinjin, or in English, true entrustment. I'd like to continue on by asking you uh, about all a question. Can you think back uh, to a time like when you're in high school or in college um, 
for some of you, that might be quite some time ago. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But can you think of a teacher who uh, impacted your life, right? Uh, think back to a teacher who really touched your life, right? influenced you to do something, to be who you are today. I will give you some time to think about this. And I will stop, I will, I'll stop, you know, give you some time to think about this because I think um, I would like you to kind of seriously take, take part in this activity, okay? So I'll give you some time to think about who influenced you in your life, a great teacher. Any takers? You could just, just come right in. I, I, I can't see oh, all the. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. All right, Ms. Strazich. Okay. What did she, uh, how was she, how did she influence you? She, she was my eighth grade social studies teacher. And oh. I think because I was, I did well in her class, but on top of that, I think she made me love social studies. And eventually that's what I majored in, in college. And I became a middle school social studies teacher. Oh, in the that's too. fantastic. So I think that's what. Yeah. Your senpai, so to speak. Yes. <laughs> That's great. Yes. Can I get another person? I saw Cindy's hand. Oh, mine would be um, my biology teacher, Mr. Zlotnick, in high school. I think that was the first time I really came to love science and realized that um, there were systems or knowledge about systems that could um, uncover different problems and it helped me to decide that that's what I wanted to major in and go on to become an optometrist. Oh, that's great. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Yes, you went to Cal, right? Yes. Yes, I, I forgot to, who I heard that from, but yes, thank you. Okay. <laughs> anybody, anybody else? Oh, alert. Is that Larry? Did you have your hand up? Oh, no, sorry. Um, Okay. All right. Let me just get back to my notes here. Thank you very much for your responses. So, so getting back to my talk, the the name of this teacher is very important, right? You were able to recall the name of this teacher. When you hear that name, when you say that name, right then and there, you remember your karmic connection with that teacher. All of these memories or warm feelings come flooding out of you, right? Immediately, you are aware of what that person has done for you and what that person means to you. No one else has this relationship other than you and the teacher. Other people might say, you know, that teacher was great or this teacher was very influential, but you know, right, why that person is great firsthand. You have concrete examples of why this teacher is great and has directly impacted you, and only you can tell this story. So perhaps many of you, that teacher has long since passed, or you have no way of getting into contact with that teacher anymore. But you know, and the best, uh, and the best that you, you can hope for is to try and repay what has been given to you and for you to show deep gratitude for having been impacted by this person. Everything that teacher is to you, then we can say, is packed into that name, Mr. So-and-so. Mrs. So-and-so, Ms. So-and-so, right? All that matters is the name because all the effort, the hopes, the aspirations of that teacher for you is packed into that name, right? That's exactly 
what Namo Amida Butsu is. Namo Amida Butsu is saying, Mr. Amida, Mrs. Amida, Ms. Amida. And as soon as we say the name, all the virtues is packed into the name. And immediately we feel, or we should feel, warmth. We feel clarity. We feel quietude and calmness. Because this is what Amida Buddha is and does for us. Amida Buddha is the great teacher. Amida Buddha is so great that your teacher is guiding you right now to understand this Dharma message, right? Today's Dharma message has nothing to do with me, right? Standing here at the podium. Today's Dharma message is brought to you by Mr. So-and-so, Mrs. So-and-so, Ms. So-and-so, because that teacher and your karmic bond with that teacher enabled you to understand what it is that Amida Buddha does for us on a spiritual level. So with that, I'd like to end today's message and, and thank you for all of you for participating in, in today's, uh, uh, today's talk. Uh, and uh, what I wanted to get at was that, you know, uh, I would like to show our deep gratitude and appreciation for all the teachers uh, out there in the world who, uh, who impact our lives and help us to eventually come to awaken to the working of the Buddha Dharma. Okay, so with that, I'd like to close today. Thank you very much. Please join me in Gasho. To entrust oneself to the Nimbutsu is to already have become a person who realizes wisdom and will attain Buddhahood. Know that this is to become free of foolishness. Namo Amida Uts. Namo Amida Uts. Namo Amida Uts. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sensei. I'm sure everybody thought of more than one teacher who influenced our life. Absolutely, um, yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> everybody does it. Okay, um, now I'd like to share uh, the following reading, Utsushio. It's from Magatha and it's from this passing world. Um, you'll find it on page 245 of the Purple Book. In this life of endless kalpas, we are travelers on the road. As travelers, let us remember to walk, not in haste, nor rest. Walking in haste may cause to stumble, dallying on the road. The sun will soon set. Groping in the darkness of ignorance will cause a life of lamenting. When hearkening to the Dharma, the mirror of the mind will reflect the unhindered light of Amida and bring light to the dark path. Namami Dabutsu.